we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuckaholics? What the fuckadelics? That's all I'm going to say today. Those are the only names I'm going to do. I'm actually getting a little tired of that. How do you feel about it? Have we outgrown the list of names? I Maybe not. I don't know. Sometimes I think, well, maybe I shouldn't have that all right at the beginning with all the fucks at the beginning because there are people driving kids to school, picking kids up at school, driving with children in the car. Maybe they want to listen without worrying about that first opening salvo of fucks. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. I'm happy to be here. I just got back from uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And I I have a great time, as great a time as I can have whenever I go to the South. And I always, whenever I'm in Nashville, there's part of me that's like, why can't I just live here? Why can't I just get a house for about a third of the money it's going to cost me to add on to this house and just not pay state income tax and and live live in the American South, in Nashville, Tennessee. Why can't I just do that? I don't know. Then I have to start flying people to my garage. I have to. You want to do my show? Uh, we'd have to put a budget for travel in. We'd, we would only exclusively do musicians and occasional touring comics that would come through Nashville. It's a beautiful part of the country. The people are always nice. I am done with stereotyping uh, Southerners because every time I'm there, I meet a lot of very nice people, not just polite people in that malignant Southern way that you don't trust, that politeness that makes you say, I mean, uh, are they really being polite or, or are they just tolerating me? Do they want me out? No, I mean genuinely nice people, artists, bakers, coffee makers, people who uh, sell shoes, record pressing people i i just there's a lot of good people in the south and they're just i'm not going to do it anymore i'm not i'm no longer going to adhere to any any stereotypes a couple other things i did oh by the way tom york is on the show today from the band radiohead i spoke to him during uh the recording sessions of uh his recent project adams for peace it's interesting because i was originally supposed to interview both he and flea who was also part of it, but Flea called in sick. Not to the interview, but he didn't go to the session that day because he wasn't feeling well. And I was able to just to talk to Tom, which I think would was uh, an, a beautiful coincidence because I was nervous about talking to both of them. Musicians are tricky for me to begin with, but to, and Flea's a pretty large personality from what I understand. But to just be able to sit down with Tom, you know, off one of the rooms, we did it at a... Rick Rubin's studio, which is this old mansion that once belonged to Harry Houdini up off uh, Laurel Canyon Boulevard. It's a pretty stunning property, but it, now it's just a recording facility. And I was able to get about an hour in with Tom. And uh, I, I, I'd heard that he's difficult. Uh, I know that he's a bit of a rebel, but I, I have that in me as well. But I thought we had a lovely conversation, and we'll play that in uh, in just a second. While you know, if you're still listening now, we'll we'll get to the. To the interview, but it, it's not going to include any of his comments or any uh, uh, anything relating to the uh, to the fight he's having with Spotify. I know that uh, he pulled the Adams for Peace album off. He pulled some of his solo work off. He and his producer uh, made a stand against Spotify around uh, royalties and and the ripoff of musicians. Uh, but this this interview took place before all that. This interview took place a, a little while ago, 
when they were recording the new Adams for Peace stuff. So that that will not be talked about because it was not on the radar then. And you know, it's weird when I when we talk about when you talk about Spotify, about internet, about you know how do you protect stuff? You know how, what is the best delivery system? How do you continue to make money in a world where anybody can get anything for free? Uh, I was able to go back in time. I know some of you know that I've gotten into the vinyl lately, but I'm not a, a nerd. I'm not a, a vinyl nerd. I'm not a record collector. I'm not looking for priceless uh, pieces of vinyl. Uh, I primarily get vinyl so I can listen to music on vinyl. Now, you can have whatever opinion you want about vinyl as to whether or not it's all hokum. Uh, it's not, the quality is not better than digital if you're one of those guys. Whatever. I don't give a fuck. I like records, and I'm enjoying playing records, and it's a reasonable midlife crisis to have. You know, I've got my tube amp. I've got my records. Uh, I didn't spend a lot of money on this stuff. Uh, you know, records are not that expensive, and they're a beautiful part of, uh, of life, and they're a beautiful part of my childhood, and they're a beautiful way to listen to music, and they're tangible. You hold them. You look at them. You have a cover. I know all of you have heard this stuff in, in, around records. And, you know, I, I know it's a reason, you know how you know if something is a reasonable midlife crisis? I got a tube amp. I can't wrap it around a tree. I can't get in trouble or lose all my money because I fucked it. Uh, if you check, uh, you know, yes on those two, like, you know, I can't lose all my money or get in trouble for fucking it and I can't wrap it around a tree and it didn't cost you that much. That's a reasonable midlife crisis. But it's also a way to listen to music in a very organic, uh, almost magical uh, way. It's just, it's great. So here's what happens. Just by coincidence, uh, the United Record Pressing Company is in Nashville. The guy who, who markets for them, their, their marketing guy, Jay Millar, he reached out to me and said, you want a tour? And I'm like, it's in Nashville. And I know that they do Jack White's records. And, and I was like, yeah, I, I'd be interested in that. So he walked me through his uh, the, the record plant. This is a record pr- pressing plant. And the interesting thing about a record pressing company is that they are not beholden to labels. They press records for everybody. They just press records. And this company presses about 30% of the records available in the world. And they've been around since 1949. And they've been pressing records since then. Uh, it was a fascinating conversation. Not be- Again, not because I'm a record nerd, but just because I think when people talk about hipsters or they talk about, even when it comes down to sort of, you know, local produce or the new farm movement or or or, or coffee or, or any of the stuff that gets sort of lumped in with this whole hipster movement, I mean, you can trivialize it. You can call it fashion. Oddly, I think a lot of the fashion that hipsters sort of utilize is, is originally from the American South. But but that that aside, I think what people people are craving is something tangible, something intimate, something uh, organic, something that they can they feel has some integrity to it. And I, I had no idea what to expect when I took this tour of the record uh, uh, pressing plant. But I was uh, I was blown away because it, it doesn't it, it reaches back to another time on some level in another time of, of, of manufacturing. But it also it, it they are producing something tangible something organic something you can hold in your hand something that is not digitized that is not ones and zeros it's not vague it is not really disposable and and the whole process he brought he took me through the whole process right from raw vinyl beads the the raw vinyl the virgin vinyl comes in almost these little beads of vinyl then then there are all these record pressing machines they make seven inch records they make 45 records a few of all the records that you have were pressed at this plant there's a history to it 
I mean, there was a time where this was the only way that people listen to music. You bought records. So to see these machines, which they don't even make anymore, and to see people working at these, at these machines, you know, working at a manufacturing job, and they had just dozens of these machines, all different types, and to see the vinyl go in and to see the, the plates come down and press a record and then it gets trimmed out around the edges. And you can, I actually held a hot record. And it's almost magic. He explained it to me. I still don't understand how the music gets on to the record. It has something to do with grooves, but it's not some sort of weird uh, computer magic. There's something beautifully organic about the whole thing. And, and I think that you know a lot of people disregard that in terms of it, uh, listening to vinyl or owning vinyl. It's not just about sound. It's about... It's about holding something real, watching something spin, knowing that the parts that are involved actually have a motor. And it, that, that goes all the way to the back to the manufacturing. People working to make records. They make 40,000 records a day at this place. And he said that record, the record business has never stopped. They've never stopped manufacturing records. Even like during the time where CDs were popular, you would think like, well, who bought records? And they, were, they kept making records and they kept making a lot of dance records and a lot of the longer playing um, club singles and stuff. But he said it's never, really, it's never really stopped. These machines don't even exist anymore. They don't make them. They have to have a machinist on site all the time in case a machine breaks down or if they need a part, he's got to make the part. And, then, and I think Jack White had a lot to do with this because I went over to Third Man and now he's got a thing going. He was doing the all analog thing, but now he's taking it a step further where he's recording direct to the acetate. No tape involved. He's got a machine where they do a live show and they record it direct to the platter, direct to acetate. There's no tape. They mix it on site and they make the, the, the template for the album right there at Third Man during a live performance. Now, that may seem trendy or it may seem weird or it may seem affected, but it is organic. It is pure. It is real. And, and, it, and, and each part of that process is human and, 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 and directly compatible to, to machinery and to equipment and to real time. There's no fucking computer magic or breakdown of sound. I, I don't know. I find the whole thing very, uh, very magical and very you know, profound. Let's go now to my conversation with Tom York. We went to a Magic Castle last week. Oh yeah, were you, were you heckling? Were you like, "Come on, where's the where's the card?" No, we were trapped in the room. We couldn't get out. You know. Oh, okay. And Barbara Streisand started playing really, really loud. And, yeah. Um, someone was like, you know, flying through the air, but we had to get out. <laughs> I, I've been there once. You do feel like that once you get in there that you, the, there's no way out. It's a very mm. bizarre thing. You're led through the bar and into a room. And then there's another choice of rooms. It is. A yeah. vorte- it's a vortex. Do you like magic? I mean, were you entertained? <laughs> um. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> or are you more one of those guys who's sort of like, oh, that's ridiculous. I, don't, I never seek out magic. No. Um, um, it was more like the horror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the horror of that level of entertainment. I, we're, yeah. we're in the bowels of the entertainment. I, I'm going to get in loads of trouble now, won't I? No. Um, <laughs> you, what, you think the magicians are going to... You're going to want a hate mail from magicians? Could do. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe worse. Maybe I'll like be in three pieces in boxes tomorrow morning. <laughs> yeah, Tom York is now involved in a magic trick. Involuntarily. <laughs> yeah. He was found in pieces. <laughs> the magician left the room. <laughs> refusing to put him back together (laughs) well that'd be interesting you just tour as a a wheeled out head (laughs) your head still functions i would sue you but i can't find my hands um exactly uh what 
what's your feelings about California? Do you spend a lot of time out here? Or do you like it? Um, I um I I do really like it. Yeah, I, I you know there's a big um, British expat population here, and it's um, the novelty of coming somewhere sunny where people um, you know <laughs> seem at least on the surface to be friendly, and um, oh, don't believe it. Yeah, well, obviously, you yeah. Know. They're um, evil and predatory. Yeah, well, of course, we're used to that, so yeah. it's okay. Um, uh, we ourselves have sharp edges. Yeah, I, that's what, yeah. Historically, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yes, it's, not, I mean, it's nice to get away from the Tory party pulling Britain to pieces as well. That's always, I like to get away from that and not think about it. Do you, is that, like, are the politics, you know, constantly in your face? Do you, is uh, it, it was just something I was thinking a lot last night. It was yeah. like, I mean, you know, things are bad here, but... Um, I don't know what the situation really is here. Obviously, I can't the the way that it works, mecha um, the mechanics of it. But in yeah. Britain, you know, we have a party um, um, who we didn't vote for, pulling the country to sh dismantling things beyond um, the point where they can be fixed again. Um, and yeah, we, we went through that. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we didn't even ask. We didn't even vote for them, but there they are doing it and telling them that they won't stray from the path of righteousness, essentially. Um, what while, exactly? While everybody, including the IMF, says, "Please don't do this." Right, and they still do it. What? What exactly is it? Are they doing? You know, they're dismantling the NHS. They're dismantling the school system. The, the, you know, they're do, they're, they're they're using what's happening with the banking system as an excuse to do uh, a load of other shit. What, what's that, Naomi Klein shock doctrine? You know that. I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, you didn't expect you to be talking about No, politics. no, no, no. I, I used to talk about politics every day. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Well, that whole concept of um, you have one, you know, crisis. Yeah. And you use that crisis to... Uh, as a portal. As a portal to do a load of other shit without right. people knowing, putting it under the same veil, you know, dismantling... Yep infrastructure opening up to private enterprise blah 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 yeah the privatization of public yeah. uh, works and everything else it was, just, it was the um, you know the neocon thing to do it was like well it's it's happening in a way that's never happened before in britain um and they're using the excuse of, of of you know the debts or whatever but really even the imf says it's nothing to do with that so are they dismantling you know all what they see as socialized services they just, I think, I think the whole raison d'etre to even be a, a party at all is to be as right wing as they can because they know, because um, to me it's to me it's all PR, you know. Um, sure. Cameron is a PR guy, and the whole concept is like the only way we can possibly stay in power is if we look like Thatcher looked, as in unrelenting, um, um, you know, following a path w without. Question. A narrow path. A narrow path. Yeah, yeah. A path of... of, of right through all the working people who are crying. Yeah, well, they don't yeah. really vote for them, so they're not really bothered about that. Yeah. Um, and uh, they know, in, in terms of how they look, that's the only way they can maintain their support within their core, whatever. Yeah. So that you get this bizarre scenario where they're... Whatever they've chosen, they won't turn around from, they won't back away from, even though they probably know it's a mistake. It's because if they did, they know they would lose power. So they carry on. You know what I mean? It's I always it's wonder still one big PR thing. Yeah, I, I, but I always wonder if they do know it's a mistake. You'd like to think that they have human hearts and that that somehow their conscience is bothering them. But somehow they've rationalized their agenda into something that they think is is the best for 
usually business, and then ultimately for everybody because, you know, the market will well, level off. Yeah, exactly. But that's the point, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, um, they're surrounded by lobbyists, um, business lobbyists who are telling them sure. that this is the way to go. Um, and they're the people who put them there. Yeah, they're so, they're owned. They're they're whores. Yeah. They're corporate um, shills. But the, that whole trickle down thing, which which Thatcher, Thatcher started talking about in the eighties, you know, it I mean, doesn't no work. No one no. believes that. Of course Come on, not. That's up there with like um, no. Americans no. still believing in a um, what was it, a meritocracy? Right. Exactly. It, basically, Hello? what trickle down <laughs> amounts to is well, the poor will adapt or die. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, they're they're nothing but an obstacle, anyways. And the whole argument about well. You know, if these people make money, then we all make money. It like yeah. obviously falls down when you've got the whole concept of tax dodging. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we'll make all their money. Yeah. I, uh, you know, what, did, well, how much of this in terms of your uh, intellectually and, and emotionally, I mean, when did you start really thinking about this stuff? Because I know you had battles with record companies mm. and, and seeking freedom from that. Mm. It's not that much different. Was that when you awakened politically or were you always oh, like no, that? No, I was always into it. Like, um... I was always into it, even at school, even at like a private boarding school. I was always the chippy left winger. Yeah. Um, uh, even though my father wasn't. What did your father do? We we used to have. Um, we went through a phase, uh, me and my brother, of 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 having the the dinner arguments, the political arguments. Right. They won for like four, five, six years. Where uh-huh. you know, my mum would have to sort of say, "Okay, that's enough." Yeah. Because it would end up in like stand-up rows. So you're, you and your brother on, were on opposite ends of the no, spectrum? No, we were both the, the so coming from the left. Oh, so you're doing it to aggravate your father. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, he, he was a nuclear physicist and then he did other, other things as well. Um, anyway. Um, well, how does that play out? I mean, if, if he was a nuclear physicist, then, I mean, he must have had to deal with a dialogue as a lefty with sort of like, do you make bombs, Dad? No, 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 no. It was like it wasn't. It, it he wasn't doing that long enough yeah. for that to be an issue. It, it was like other. He did other things. Research. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, well, anyway, um, um, it was more. You know, there was that. It was that period, the Thatcher period, where a lot of people really did subscribe to the idea of 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 like. Somehow, is this this holy grail of capitalism? Is if we just free oh, yeah. the market enough, right? Um, uh, you know, and as was happening during the Reagan era here, if we free the market enough, then then uh, righteousness will prevail, and and we will all be rich. And but actually, all that was happening is that the goldsmiths of this world were coming here and Britain, and like buying it, pillaging it taking the money and moving to an island and going mad that's absolutely that's exactly it this idea that <clears throat> if you have completely unregulated free market capitalism that it will find its own level and everything everybody will benefit yeah um, and the one thing they never talk about which was uh, you know indicated during the banking thing was like why you didn't take into mind that greed would somehow affect oh no because your philosophy? The, the market is morally righteous <laughs> <laughs> there's no no greed I wish they could come up with a, 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 a set of more fluffy words for saying what we were just saying, though, because we both sound like chippy old lefties. But actually, none of what we're talking about is chippy or lefty. It's no, it's like, this, No, this is actually really, right. it's the shit right yeah, here. It this is. is it. It's the truth. <laughs> Give the, me some other words to use, and I'll explain them using those other words, like, you know, Bill and Ben, or, um, right. I don't know, like, in some, well, the, you know, in, in the language of, 
Sesame Street. You know. So people could really understand. Yeah, it. would that be a great episode of Sesame Street, wouldn't it? It is fairly complicated, but I don't understand. I know in this country that the reason most people who 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 will vote against their economic self-interest and and not pay attention to the criminality of what's happening. I think somewhere in the American sensibility that they're like, they don't think it applies to them because they could be a millionaire. That yeah, could that's happen. That's what I'm talking about with the meritocracy. There's like, if you work hard, yeah. you'll do well. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to win the lottery. <laughs> yeah. If you really? play the lottery enough. What, really? You think so? <laughs> really? What, really? So, what, so in terms of like even talking about that, a very interesting thing happened when I was listening to the uh, Adams for Peace album in the uh, car coming over. Oh yes, yeah. Because I had it plugged into to my phone, and I had the phone plugged into the into the stereo, but I also had the GPS going. So, so what you know, you had this you know your beautiful lyrical rhythms, and occasionally it's like turn right at Laurel Canyon, <laughs> and it almost felt like some weird mix, you know, like of like this is the GPS mix, and it seems to fold right in. It kind of works because the, there's a there's a sort of beautiful kind of tone set by the uh, the lyrical thrust of the album and it just it, it is about direction this is the only direction i have during this song <laughs> it's very bizarre but when you talk about politics and when you talk about you know the power of of music or even calling a band or a song adam for peace hmm. how do you think like i have to assume with your disposition that there you you think that there is something socially relevant and and moving in that direction with the music do you feel that um, it's funny in this country I sort of feel like in Britain when you talk about politics and stuff it tends to become a very angry us and them thing quite uh -huh. quickly um, what I liked about the, uh, calling Atoms for Peace to me was the, the argument you, you just, to just use the word peace in it to me sort of I like the references to the 70s I like the all that sort of thing about, like, you know, um, the 68 yeah. movement and yeah. when I was born in 68. And uh, I kind of think a lot about, um, as well as obviously the, the Eisenhower speech and the nuclear thing, forget about that. And sometimes I think about the idea of, of, of people on the streets, you know. Yeah. And they're not doing anything, they're just on the streets. Yeah. The riots will only break out if the police charge them and I've been on those protests and I've seen them do that but if you, you if you don't if you just go and you're just there and you're always there like in Spain at the moment like they're there they're every week yeah you know uh, I was in Bilbao there was a different protest along the same bridge from this different you know four or five hundred people every single day with a different banner hanging down and but it was relentless you know, and and we was there a few weeks ago, and they were just talking about um, how. Uh, anyway, I'm going off the point. That idea of resistance, but, uh, but there you're just there, and you're you're animated, but you're it's peaceful. You know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Because I've been when I was a kid, I used to go on protests and stuff. I went on one. One of the first big ones I went to was uh, about student loans, which are now commonplace. But at the time. When I went to university, um, the, the the idea was it was all paid for by the yeah. state, and obviously, being a student, we were pissed off about that because it meant the 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 poor have less access to um, education. education. Yeah. At least that's how we argue it. Right. 
Um, but uh, so we're on the other side of Westminster Bridge. Parliament is in session. Thatcher's extremely pissed off that we have the nerve to turn up that day and do that. So she <laughs> she calls the horses on us. Uh-huh. So there was um, we had the riot police in front of us, and I was sort of uh, with my friend Stanley. Would do the artwork with. Yeah. Um, and uh, we stood there, and there was the rows, the the riot police with the plastic shields. Yeah. And everyone's getting kind of angry because they wouldn't let us cross the bridge. But it was kind of okay. It was it was pissed. We were pissed off. People had started throwing bits of wood and things, but yeah. it was all right. Yeah. Next thing we know, the 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 shields part, and the horses just charged straight towards us. Oh my god! And uh, and there was this girl I saw who was pregnant who had her leg broken. Everyone ran, um, ran screaming. Um, the horses, the the guys, the policemen on the horses had batons, were whacking indiscriminately people's heads, um, and they were cuffing, arresting whoever they could find. It was insane. It was insane. Terrifying. And, and basically, and then of course it gets reported that night as that we're troublemakers and so on. It's like, well, no, actually, we were there, and we were standing by the bridge, and then they they do this thing called kettling where they. They section off each other area like yeah, that. Yeah. Thatcher gets pissed off and says, I, I, you know, and just calls the horses on us, beats the shit out of us. Unbelievable. Yeah. So that, is, so in, in a sense that, because that, I, I feel this, so the, in, and I've been to, a, I was at a relatively recent show of yours at, I think, Bonnaroo last year, mm. that the idea that when, when you create, because it seems to me some of the music you're doing now creates, you know, a vibe and a tone and a groove and there's something, you know, elating about it and, mm-hmm. and there's a build to it. Mm-hmm. But it's not like, you know, it's not designed for relief. It's almost designed for movement and, and unity. Mm-hmm. Huh. And well, I, I yeah, <laughs> I, I did. I mean, it's it's funny. I was talking to this, uh, talking to a friend of mine about this yesterday. Um, we did. It sort of has dawned on us when we did the last Radiohead tour that sometimes, you know, you have... We did this show in Phoenix and um, uh, there was... Um, I think because it was in Phoenix and the, the big yeah. shows don't happen a lot. In fact, right. um, Fleet emailed me about it at the time saying, you know, people don't really play in Phoenix much at the moment because there's a lot of heavy shit going on. Oh, yeah, the conservatives there are yeah. crazy. Um, but it was like they all came out of the woodwork all the people who don't like normally, you know, the people, yeah. it, it, that's how it felt. Like, yeah, you know, people. like the stoners yeah. and, yeah. The, yeah. and the, the E-heads and the, yeah. the old musos and the, like, everybody was like there in a big, like, um, um, in a big uh, soup. Uh-huh. And it kicked off. Yeah. And it, it just booked through the music, you know. Yeah. And it was amazing. It was really, really amazing. And you felt like you were just part of this gathering, um, you know. And I can't describe it, but like the, the room starts changing shape and shit when it's there's something in it there's something in that collective um you have 40,000 people in a room who all move into the same groove yeah yeah there's something there's something pretty powerful i don't know what it is but it's something we're going on there definitely yeah and also i guess you probably because at this point you know the 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 fans of yours and the fans of radiohead and the fans of um your solo stuff have have evolved with you and understand where you're going to some extent, yeah, it's, I, which I find bizarre, you know, because the only reason that's happened is because we've just gone a sort of certain line and people have gone, oh, okay, and followed us. But there was no, you know, I didn't wake up in the morning and get, um, 
with messianic tendencies or anything. No, <laughs> I, was no, like, I know, I but know. But no, but I think about it and like, that's really weird. What, how, I mean, that's mad. But also, did, I mean, did you find, because you seem to have a sense of like, you're surprised by it, but did you, was there, I have to imagine there was a moment, and, and, I, and I, I think you're relatively public about it, where you, know, you made a decision to, to evolve as opposed to repeat yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you made a decision to, you, you know, like, you, you, maybe the anthem rock business is not the business <laughs> I want to be in. You know, perhaps, you know, having, you know, the hooks that, you know, any idiot can go like, yeah, to. Yeah. Here comes the chorus. I've hit my distortion pedal. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but so you must have been afraid that, you know, like, well, I got to do this. Yeah. And, you know, but you were at some point must have been willing to lose them. Yeah. <laughs> Always. Um, uh yeah, there was a bit of that, but then there was also like it's. It, I've, um, if you're writing something and you mean it, you can't repeat yourself, and right, and you can't. I just, I couldn't. You know, to me, it's one of those. I go through my life, um, come what may, doing stuff because I can't not. You know, it's like well, this is my instinct is to go here and that's it I can't do anything about it that's just how it is you know um, I'm very lucky that, that that it people stayed with it but it wasn't like I can't I, I couldn't have done it another way and also that thing like I think you know um, you you can't like you can't write I mean even at our college and stuff it's like you can't write stuff to please people you know you, you have to write it because it's what you've got. That's it. You know, you sit down, you give it to someone, or it's a painting or whatever. It's like, this is what I've got. This is it. Yeah. You know, I couldn't have gone anyway. Otherwise, this is me. Here. Is, there ele- is, there, is there an element of defiance to it? Because you seem like a guy who's... Um, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> not very good with authority. Actually, but, I was going to say, um, before, like, when I was talking about the protests, like, yeah. the other thing about Atoms for Peace to me, and something I've been thinking, I remember, like, the resist you know there was this whole period in britain yeah um uh where i think it suddenly dawned on a lot of people who um were were involved in protesting that it really wasn't happening properly in the way that they wanted because every time they went somewhere or got whatever they just got the shit kicked about them by the police or or at least it was reported really badly and so someone sort of somewhere um within this movement i think and it was this movement called reclaim the streets and they had a massive um, influence on me. Um, uh, and there was people I knew who knew them. Uh, they they kept doing these stunts, and it was humour. So they would like do a protest. They did this one famous one on a motorway, where someone wanted to create a bypass and shit. And um, and it was just funny, man. It was just <laughs> funny. They turned the whole thing on its head and go, you know what? I'm going to do something so stupid it'll blow your mind. Yeah. So they got this um, giant. They made it like a parade. Okay. Yeah. So they sort of shut the motorway down and they they just turned up and they were a parade and they yeah. walked onto the motorway. The motorway stopped. Yeah. And um and this they had this giant figure like um with um with a giant sort of skirt and some girl on the top waving her arms about yeah. underneath the skirt yeah. was guys as it walked along with jackhammers chopping the motorway up it was genius good awesome and like the cops didn't figure it out yeah. <laughs> it like, they thought it was a show yeah they were like well they couldn't do anything anyway yeah. so oh it was amazing and they kept doing stuff like that and it's like that's how you do it. You make people laugh. 
yeah, and don't deliver get the angry. message. Yeah. You know, yeah. just be peaceful, make them laugh. Fuck with our heads. Sure. You know. And, and also kind of force people to be entertained and people that might not understand what's happening might be able to put together the metaphor. Exactly. And, and, and get it. It's that moral, that moral of like resistance. Whatever anger you may feel is useless. You know, go, go with something peaceful and something humorous and you will get, your doors will just open, you know. Right. And, and artistically, I mean, I think the same question yeah, to it, some extent. Well, is that like, you know, you have a problem with authority, but I imagine that as, a, as an artist, you have a problem with, with expectation. Kind of, yeah. And I've also, yeah, I'd spend, I guess I've spent my whole time, one of, my, one of the things I really enjoy is that kind of messing with people's heads a bit. So sure. you do one thing, yeah, and yeah. then you're like, okay, this is really going to fuck them up. <laughs> <laughs> You know, how do you feel about me are. now? Yeah, how'd you like me now? Um, you know, I, I'm a little bit like that. Yeah. yeah, not not like not overtly, but but sometimes it kind of makes me laugh. You know, like but to um to do to do sort of following following a path down a certain way, and there is a sort of element of humor and like element of like it's kind of silly that I'm choosing to do this, and that's what I'm finding inspiring about it. You know. Uh huh. Who were your guys when you were growing up musically? I mean, what, what compelled you? What did you listen to? Why, you know, how did you sort of find your way initially? Well, the first, I mean, really, to be honest, the first, I listened a lot. You know, I loved Queen. I thought they were great when I was really small. I just they are thought, great. They are great, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and they're pretty silly as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, but, you know, as I hit a teenager, I think, like, the band that really, really changed my life was R.E.M., yeah, and Susan the Banshees and Joy Division and Bob Dylan, bizarrely, uh, was mixed in emotional stuff. Though, I mean, you know, those are those are pretty like you know Joy Division and and Susie and REM. I mean, there was a lot of rawness and vulnerability that wasn't really. Yeah, angry. I mean, my fo- my favorite show yeah. that I went to. I didn't go to many shows because not many bands came through Oxford. But my favorite show I ever saw then was Susie and the Banshees, and she was absolutely amazing she was like the first sort of front person that i'd seen just and it wasn't like there was sort of not like you know the singing wasn't like wow she's an amazing singer or anything it was more just her presence yeah she walks on the stage it's like this is her stage yeah even though you kind of want to watch budgie like on the drums a bit but basically (laughs) she's totally in command of the whole audience but not in a like look at me sort of way she's just there doing it and it was that really blew my mind you know and there and she was theatrical though i mean yeah that's what i mean yeah yeah, not unlike queen yeah mm. very theatrical but 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 in a in a in a way that was like punk in a way that was yeah 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 yeah. it wasn't mannered at all it was just that's what she wanted to do and also she sort of turned like uh you know femininity on its head yeah Yeah, completely because she was kind of really sexy but absolutely terrifying yeah yeah that's, that's the best kind of woman. It is. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't, you, actually, you're right. You don't always realize they're terrifying until you're too far in. What but uh, <laughs> you might want to rewrite that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I say it on stage when I do my stand-up act. I, I, I think that I think it's absolutely necessary that you're, you know, deeply terrified of the person you love because you know I don't know quite how you're going to act properly if you're not. I agree. Um. So all right, so those are very th- so. But you know, even early on with uh, 
with Radiohead, I mean, your theatricality did not didn't rely on device. You just have a certain intensity to it. I mean, how, <laughs> you know, you, you're kind of you have to reckon with uh, with your particular uh, uh, presence. But it didn't it didn't require you know you didn't wear a leather jacket. You no, didn't it's the most extraordinarily bad outfits. Well, yeah. maybe that was the hook. Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> but what, how did you find your way, you know, on stage? Was it? What, did you? Was it initially discomfort? It was. Um, I don't know. I think it took a long time, actually. I mean, when we, when we, because we signed to like AMI, and um, you know, we just said to them, we haven't got a clue what we're doing. I mean, it's very nice that you like our songs and everything that yeah. you think we're going to be famous. But we haven't got a clue what we're doing. We've just left college. Um, give us some money for a van and um, and maybe a little bit of money for a hotel so we don't have to sleep in the van. Yeah. Um, and leave us alone for like a year and a half. Yeah. So we can figure this shit out. <laughs> Unfortunately, sort of a year into that, we get this, um, you know, we get this meeting with um, a manager saying, Yeah. Um, Creeps a massive hit in um, Israel first, and then in K Rock here, yeah, and in New York, and you're you you've got to go, you know, you've got to go. So, <laughs> so I'm still trying to figure this shit out. You you're know. a year into the van thing, yeah, and then suddenly I'm being, you know, <laughs> um, suddenly we're we're um, flown over here, and 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 everyone's sort of expecting us to be rock stars, and we're like, okay, yeah, um. So, and were, I you think a, I, were you terrified, or were you sort um, of like it was? Uh, you just on a you just on a roll. You just thought, you don't know you really. Just show just up. Not thinking about it particularly. Yeah. Probably should have thought about it a bit more. Why? Well, you know, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> anyway, um, I think we only. St- I only personally felt like I started figuring it out like um, maybe towards the end of uh, the bends. Um, and part of that, funnily enough, was the sort of doing videos and things and getting into that and getting into the idea of, of putting oneself forward on that, in that way and, and being aware in a different way. I don't know. So you could watch know. yourself. I mean, you, you, you get watch yourself and not be like hiding behind the sofa. And right. Shit. That takes a while. It does really. Yeah. yeah. That's a, it's a pretty, it's just, it's a thing you have to learn in like listening to your voice on tape for the first time and going, oh, shit. <laughs> Did, so you you literally only toured for a year before you know you really hit. Yeah, it was a bit weird. I mean, and it was kind of okay after that. We kind of managed it like we were like, and that's all very nice. Thanks very much. Um, but we were still booked into these small gigs, and it was fun because you know people were turning up. Um, so it was it was pretty wicked, really. I mean, it, uh, it it was just we were still learning what the hell was going on. I think, but at that time. And, when, and did you feel immediately that the pressure was on that you'd done, you know, you'd done creep and they're like, well, now you got to make us 10 more of those. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that was the first yeah. big, that was the first big battle we had because I mean, it's like our managers were as inexperienced as we were and, and they were sort of, they were having their arms twisted at the time. So they were coming us to say, and say, we were, you know, we were in rehearsals writing stuff for a second record and they were coming like saying, okay, where's the hit? And right. we were like, no, you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> the manager was saying that? Yeah, and because they, they were like, they were getting loads of pressure, and, and so it all got a little bit weird for, and then everybody figured it out. Well, like, hang on a minute, you know. Um, once we'd all sort of figured out, this isn't, it's, 
we sat in a room going, if we really are going to carry on doing this, we're going to do it on our own terms. And, like, you know, I threw my... Uh, uh, stamped on the floor a bit and, like, kicked people out and... Um, like who, yeah. like management or yeah, yeah. Were those get, guys that you started with? But for for a bit, I was yeah. like, just get the fuck out for a right, while right, while, right. while we figure this out, you know. Because basically, um, to me, it was. I mean, I think you know, I was clutching at straws, and my only experience really was art college. And at art college, they're teaching you to follow your instincts and teaching you to rely on what you have on on your work, and everything else will once you've got your work, everything else falls into place. Well, hopefully. So I was saying to, you know, everyone, I mean, we all were. It's like, if the music's good, if we if we make a good record, all this stuff will just come, whatever. Right. You know, the only reason we're in this situation right now is by accident, we made a tune that hit on what we were trying to do. So let's just carry on doing that, but not like trying to write a hit, just, just carry on whatever that energy is we found. Let's just work on that. And don't, so so we didn't really talk to anybody about anything until we were excited about the music you know so much of the time it's the other way around so much of the time because at that time especially you know you're involved in a huge corporate business sure a lot, a lot of people uh, want to drain money out of you well i think yeah. it just can it can it can just crumble your psyche cuz you you you're just part of this extraordinary machine. Yeah. Like nowadays, I've only witnessed it recently in that form. I think like going to, you know, over to uh, 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 Studio City and, and, and to the sort of Paramount lot and being shown some clip. And, Hi, I'm yeah. da-da-da, head of yeah. music. And all, yeah. I'm high, da-da. And you're like, oh, I remember this. Yeah. It's like Capitol Records. Right. You forget, though, as an artist, don't you? Like originally, like there's there's almost something beautifully infantile about about you know being a creative person and, and, and investing your life in that because you're, there's party that's sort of like, look what I made. Yeah, you're a kid. Yeah, I mean, I'm, this is, you know, and I, then there's those assholes that are like, yeah, we like this, but uh, it's not yeah, like the we other like thing this. But I think we Bob Clareman and really needs to change the drum sound on this tune <laughs> if you want it to be a hit. And who are you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you don't do what I say, then. We're not going to put it out. Ugh. Horrendous. Uh-huh, okay. <laughs> yeah. um, but you didn't buckle to that. No. Beautiful. It was get fuck, mate. So the second, and the second album was the Benz. Yes. And that's a masterpiece, really. Do you feel good about it? Um. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't heard it in quite a while. Well, I know, and I, I don't mean to bring up the past. I know. Well, it's fine <laughs> by me. If I could remember, I'd tell you. <laughs> but I mean, you remember making that record. I mean, yes, I do. It was it was hard. Yeah. Um, um, but, but then you know, thus ensues the discovery that every record you make is hard, and if it isn't, you're in serious trouble. Although actually, this Atoms piece of record was not that hard. It was quite fun. It's it's a great record. Thank and, you. And and when you start to evolve, like uh, I mean, I guess we can skip through a lot of stuff because there are certain you know, albums of yours that uh that I listen to, you know compulsively like over and over again you know not in an obsessive way but it just seemed to work for me like the one thing i noticed about you know certainly that like okay computer and kid a and some of the other stuff is that there's a depth to your to there's something that you guys do and 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 i'll say you as well where you know you can constantly listen to these songs and then all of a sudden realize like how, how am i getting deeper into this you know this is just a song how does it keep revealing itself you know with every listen 
You know, and that to me is a, a real sign of a, a, an amazing piece of art. So the, yeah. w- the one message you got out of art school was just trust your instincts. What were you studying in art school? I studied art, uh, well, mm, I studied, they kind of made you study everything, but um, I ended up, I kind of wanted to paint, but I wasn't that good. I'm still not that good, and I still want to paint. Um, but you do it, right? You did some of the album work, I right? I do, I do yeah. occasionally, but yeah. it's, I'm hampered by, like a lot of people I know, you're hampered by that thing when you first pick up the paintbrush, and you, I'm all right for about like five, ten minutes, and yeah. then I hate it so much. Yeah. So do, do it you, tends to be one of those things where me and Stanley, like Stanley is, is amazing because he's so painstaking. I can't remember the word he uses. Um, um, he gets really, you know, he can work on something for days. And Who's he this? Doesn't, um, who, the guy who does, we do art, oh. the artwork with. Yeah. He does the artwork. Yeah. Um, I went to art college with him. Um, so anyway, I, uh, they kind of kicked me out of painting. Because yeah. I went AWOL for a, a term and then turned up and all I'd done was paintings of Jesus. It, what was, and they were appalling as well. What were they? What was Jesus oh, doing? There was, there was one called the bullshit machine, and that was just one of these critique, the bullshit machine critique of the critiques. Yeah. So I put these things up on the wall, and like yeah. all hell breaks loose, and because you have these critiques. Yeah. So your peers shoot you down. What but, was Jesus doing? Though? I don't know. It was, yeah, like, it was awful. I mean, even though I thought it was awful. <laughs> the bullshit machine. Though, that, that could have been the name of, of a record. I was drunk most. Oh, of really? So you live in the life. <laughs> a life yeah yeah anyway okay um, but then i i got into um video and computers um computers quite early on and it was kind of fun you know i i just never art college to me was one of those things where i knew i wasn't really an artist particularly but the relief of of living and breathing the sort of creative thing and working with with other people and watching how they worked and watch and being taught to respect that as a thing um you know been uh exposed to so much creativity and to so much modern art and was amazing and and you know completely changed my life um because it made me confident about who i was you know and that was wicked you know where where were we with this that's good just you know what you you studied in art school and that makes makes perfect sense you know to you know to have an appreciation it's just everything really. sure so the the evolution from you know what radiohead was known as initially and then you know when you sort of you know untethered yourself from from hooks or the necessity to have them and then I keep thinking maybe I should like rethink that. Maybe I should come up with a chorus because I do actually like songs with choruses. <laughs> I don't want to put pressure on you. Yeah, I, think well, you're, right. I think you're doing there fine. Is, there's a couple like think, by accident. There's a couple of choruses, you know, but they and, usually happen by accident. Yeah. But yeah, on this record, there's, yeah, there's, there's a, a chorus. There is. There yeah, is a couple. I remember distinctly one flying by the other day. <laughs> <laughs> but there was some decision. I mean, you kind of were. Uh, a bit of a guitar band early on. Oh yeah, you know, and you know, and and Johnny is not on this record. No, nope. and and and, it, and it's not so much that, and it's not a Radiohead record, and I understand. But there obviously was some point where you were like, let's not do the guitar so much. Um, with Radiohead, yes. Yeah. Um, which was hard, you know. Um, it was hard for them. It was hard for me too, but it was sort of one of those things where, again, it was like, do we really just carry on like this? Is this it? I mean, because, 
you know, I, I, I was just every time I picked up the guitar, nothing was happening, and I wasn't listening to guitar music. So, yeah. you know, so there wasn't like to me no choice. And also, there, Johnny, in particular, is so incredible of picking up any machine that makes music and doing something with it. Yeah, like instantly. I mean, it's insane. Like he did this piece. I mean, which is why I think he enjoys the the orchestral stuff because it's as much about whatever method he chooses and what instruments he chooses to put together and how they're tuned and whatever as anything else. Like he did this. One of my favorite things he ever did was this quarter tone piano piece where he took one of um, our stand up pianos and he 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 rather than the normal scale, everything just moves up incrementally in quarter tones. And he had it retuned for that. Yeah. Uh huh. And it sounds completely insane. It sits in our studio, and every now and again I sit, and it, it, you know, to me it makes, I'd wish, but it makes no sense. Yeah. It's impossible to make any, and he wrote a whole piece around it. Um, and uh, at the moment, you know, we're talking about different scales, and he wants to teach me loads of other scales, non-Western scales, and like, I'm so into it, but I don't know where the hell to start. And um, so I kind of thought at the times, like, th- I've grown up with these guys and I know they can pick this this stuff up. It's just going to take a bit of... I, I need to pick it up as well. You know, yeah. we're all... To, but to me, like, the whole thing is part of creativity sometimes is when you you are wildly out of your depth. Oh, yeah. It's you good because there's a, there's a vulnerability to that mm. in and of itself to, like, I, I don't know. Yeah. You I've know, got yeah. no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. We're going to do... We're going to do... An, um, yeah. We're going to do a string section on this. And, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and we're going to... Um, yeah, uh, this one. Yeah, I, I mean, it was just. Yeah, the funny thing is, you know, Kid A in the end, to me, I think when people lead, listen to it now, is it, you you can kind of see why that the, they're not so too f- that far apart. Okay, yeah. Kim Peter and Kid A to me. Right. right. I mean, it was just that we're choosing to use certain instruments that lots of people associated with things that were, I don't know, unworthy or whatever. You know, which is not electrical, common. electric world. Oh, oh, really? Electronic world. So there was some condescension uh, there from. Uh, no, it was just. Uh, oh yeah, he's listening. Oh, Tommy was discovered Aphex Twin. Whoopie do. <laughs> Oh, no. you, know, you know, it's like hmm, I think I don't think Aphex Twin was too chuffed about that either. To be honest, the few times I've talked to him, uh-huh. <laughs> I talked to Thomas Dolby. Oh right, yeah. I walked into him. I walked in like he was at my school, right? Sorry, at I, art school? No, at my school. We went to the same school. And when you were kids, yeah. Oh really? I walked into like the main music room at um, school in my first year, wet behind the ears, eleven years old, and there's this weird-looking guy with like. And I mean, I knew what these things were. He had a Moog, a Moog synthesizer. He had a drum machine. He had all this shit laid out. And I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And it was Thomas. Stott- and he, and he was the first like famous musician to come out of the school. Did he was was he visiting? Years. No, no. He st- he was a kid Still there, there. School there. And he was a bit older than me. He was like in the fifth year when I was in the first year or something. Well, the reason I brought him up was that at the time he wanted to make the sounds he wanted to make, there was no machinery that would make it. Yeah. So he had to figure out, and it sounds like Johnny does the same thing, he had to figure out how to make sounds that he wanted to make with the technology that was available. And I think he made his first drum machine out of a light switcher. That's probably true. I yeah. mean, he was, there's a lot of that in my school because, you know, the, the school I went to was... What school? Abingdon School yeah. for boys. Is it prep school? Um, or well, what, a pri- private school with private no school. girls. No girls. So you got to put that sexual frustration into something. I hit puberty at 11. Yeah. <laughs> and walked into a bloody boys' school. It was great. 
Um, it um, made you who you are, man. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's not pursue that, shall we? <laughs> that particular element of it. Um, uh, there's a lot of like scientists, kids of scientists and yeah. so on that go to that school. And, and the uh, expectation was to go into that? Mathematics, putting things together? No, no. I mean, they were just kids of smart parents. Mm-hmm. So it was quite... There was lots of sort of smart kids, I guess. Um, and Johnny's smart in a very particular way, you know. He always was. He went there when, too? Mm-hmm. What's his we father? We all do? went there. Um, his father wasn't around. Oh. Um, but he was... Um, they were like RAF kids. Um, him and his brother. Mm-hmm. And we all went to the same school together. Wow. And... So there is everybody cool with the with this? Well, the Atoms thing. Yeah, um, I think so. We we took a year. This was, a, was supposed to be a year off anyway. Yeah. Um, from uh, we just declared a year off. Year off because I think it was kind of good for our heads really to actually officially say nothing. Really happening? Yeah. Tired. Well, I think that just you get to that thing where like you get together because you don't know what else to do. Right. And that's not good. You should get together because you want to get together because you got a good idea. Right. You know? Yeah. And I saw, when I saw you, I noticed that Johnny was like, spent a lot of time on the ground. Yeah, he always does that. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. moving some stuff around. He's got some things going. Oh, man, that's a simple setup. You should see what he has in the studio. Oh, really? <laughs> that is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. just, like, what a, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because going back to the kid A thing, yeah. like, they, so when we started talking about um, doing it more electronically and stuff, so... Colin and Johnny then went off and spent thousands of pounds on modular synthesis, you know. Yeah. And basically learned how to use it in a week, the what? whole, all of it. So they're and wizards. They're just insane. Yeah. You know? And Colin taught himself to use MPC drum machines and samplers, and they just did it, man. They just sat there and did it. And Johnny taught himself to use Max MSP, which is this super high level, like, sound processing, processing tool. They just, they can do that. And when you play, uh, when you sing to this stuff, and when you move away from the guitars, like, you know, you know, when people sort of condescend, it's sort of like, oh, great, electronic music. But mm-hmm. you feel you can integrate the hum- you know, your humanity into that. Yeah, to me, to me, it's not even an issue anymore. I mean, yeah. if you look where music is now, at least not, not what's happening in the mainstream, but everywhere yeah. else, it's yeah. sort of, it's just ceased to even be an issue that, that, that you're mixing these things up. You right. Know. Do you miss the guitar? I, uh, yeah, I played it last night. Yeah? But, I, you know, it's, it's useful. Sure. Do you write on the guitar? Sometimes. Not much. Any, not at the moment. I write a lot on piano at the moment. Uh-huh. And when I listen, like, when I listen to the Adams for Peace record, I, I sort of wondered, do these things start as just a groove, and then you sort of, you, you kind of, experiment to find that groove and then you or the lyrics there before or do you sometimes evolve lyrics with it the was, music this was all born out of like the idea of, of things evolving from the grooves right you know? and and then we jam a lot I mean not today but um, <laughs> I can see that it's ready it's little, to go it's a little quiet in there at the moment it's amazing to walk through that place you're, I don't know if people, obviously people can't see us, but, you know, we're in a mansion on Laurel Canyon. In, in, in the rundown mansion, yeah. Yeah, rundown mansion, and it's just a, it's like, it's like exile on Main Street, man. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, well, the girls are coming shortly, you know, we just thought we needed a few hours off. Yeah? Yeah. 
uh-huh yeah sure yeah, and yeah, the drugs yeah. sure you get yeah, yeah all the drugs are coming you got to stay clean for a bit in the, during the day otherwise sure. things get right. better and you got someone's got to wake up bobby keys so he can play sax yeah yeah uh but okay so it is groove generated you know uh, you know the sound completely and in the voice and, and then you know and the riffs were coming basically out of that um guitar piano bass synth and so a lot of it we took away and wrote to it afterwards but it was it was born out of the fact that the sort of joy of just um you know, just coming up with ri- the the grooves, and it's, they yeah. and they st- like they weren't like like they weren't from cold. We'd start with some sort of mechanical programmed thing that I had right to set us off right. So because which makes you it forces you forces these guys to play in a certain way. So you come like the meter or where the one falls or whether you know where the bass line starts is not where you would intuitively normally put it right which is good yeah so it sets you off in a new place right that was the whole thing that the whole thing for this band is that for me is like you know because they they work very quickly and that and they bring all this crazy shit right together really fast and it's just a different thing and it's very much just about yeah yeah grooves in the end and how did how did uh how did you and flea come together for this well, that only t- I mean, that was, it was a weird one because it was just, um, he, I'd seen them a few times backstage at Chili Peppers gigs and I kind of knew them. And, uh, and then Nigel and, and I went, um, saw them in London and John and Flea were going on about the Eraser. Your album. Yeah. Yeah. The f- first one I did on my own. And I was quite surprised because they'd listened to it a lot and they were asking, how did you put it together and, and they were really into it. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, okay. Yeah. And then a few months later when I was thinking... And that was all you, right? The that was me and Nigel, yeah. yeah. And Nigel's well, been with you since... Johnny wrote um, a few... Um, on the first tune, he wrote the piano riff with me. And, so, and Nigel's been with you from the beginning? Um, since the bands. Mm-hmm. Well, he was the engineer on the bands. Okay. And then we decided, um, enough of adults. We yeah. can do it ourselves. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and then, um, yeah, he... Uh, where was yeah, yeah with the flea thing and then it was I had this niggling worm in my head where like I, I want to try and make the eraser thing real because I'd done it sort of with Nigel we, using mostly stuff written on the laptop yeah um, with a bit of bass and that was it yeah but it was looking at it thinking hang on the bass is like um, the lead instrument on this and I played bass and the funny thing is like a lot of the time when I was playing the bass I was thinking of of Flea, because I mean, obviously I like I love watching him play, and there's not many bass players I know that play like lead bass. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and uh, so I asked him if he was up for doing it, and I asked Joey in the same day, and they both said yes, like a couple of hours later, and it was kind of nice because it went from being something that was just sort of like a silly pipe dream to, ooh. And had jo- really cool. And had Joey and Flea work together? Oh, they knew each other. I mean, because yeah, Joey's like a guy, right? He's yeah, like I a, mean, he's he's everywhere. Yeah, he, you know, but yeah, I mean, part on the I scene, I guess. And he played with REM as well. That's how I first properly met him. Yeah, and we became friends. We've hung out for years, on and off, whenever I'm around, and because he plays, uh, he still plays with um, Beck sometimes, and uh, you know. And Nigel's produced back, and we also just hang out quite a lot. And it, do you find that, uh, you know, given that you know you were, 
is there any sort of historical element in your head where you get the opportunity to play with guys that played with bands that you respected that it's like you know kind of wow this is cool but that's what i mean yeah it, it, it sometimes it kind of spins me out a bit you know but it's it's actually really lovely because you know it's like it's, it's a different thing yeah i mean i and 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 i've been playing with the same guys since i was 16 uh-huh other than this yeah so it was a bit of a mind-blowing thing for me first did it really um and it was good because it sort of felt like you know years of sort of only being in that environment and just thinking okay well it just opens you up to other ideas sure. and it's sort of it, it's in a way you kind of relax a bit yeah thank god for that you know right was it intimidating at all I mean, to play with Flea in, in any way, or do, are you have enough? Are you grounded enough as a musician and a performer that? Because, like you know, Flea is sort of a he's a menacing little genius. That guy, mm. in my mind, was there a part of you that's sort of like I gotta keep up with Flea here? Um, yeah, not really. No, no that's good. he was he was he's always been like really sweet. He comes to it with his own, you know, like he gets it, you know. Um, was there like an ex- will do, really. Yeah. Is there a, the excitement of discovery? Do you guys feel it when you're all... Like, I imagine when you're doing... You know, when you're creating from grooves only, that there has to be that moment where you're all going and you look at each other and like... Yeah. This is it. No, it's funny, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, well the, one, of the, one of the things I really have, have enjoyed about it is like... It's funny, like, when you're in a space like we are today and you're yeah. working through shit and you're, yeah. in, you're into it and you think, oh, that's, that's cool. And then when we started with, like, him... When we did our first show at the Echoplex, mm-hmm. um, just this crazy little warm-up thing, and, like, and I've been to that place. Was that recently? No, it was a while ago, three years ago, maybe. It's a little know. rock club. Yeah, yeah, little. Yeah, and um, they, the footage of it back, it was insane, man. It was insane. It was one thing. It just was. There's sort of this crazy. Yeah, I don't know. It was just it had lots of energy to it. And yeah. So that got us really excited yeah you know it's one thing to be excited in a room and the other thing to actually watch it back and it's even more it's better than that yeah it's a nice feeling that's that's it's a great feeling yeah these are red wings Mm -hmm. love them got them best right yeah yeah love them so when you travel you you bring your wife and kids or what um they're coming tomorrow yeah i mean you know the kids are at school so they can't how old are they um my son is 12 and my daughter's eight. Is that a... Do you love it? Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, yeah. It's, you know, Noah's 12 years old, man. I mean, he's going through the changes. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's lovely to watch. Yeah? It's super cool. The voice? In the almost, almost. Yeah. It's like everything skateboarding and surfing. And oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Is he? Uh, does he have any interest in the, the guitars or anything? The he's sound? a really great drummer. Oh, really? Yeah. That's uh, that must be thrilling. It is wicked, yeah. Finally got him like a real kit recently. Oh yeah, and um, it's insane to watch. He comes back and he's been taught all these jazz tricks already. Wow, it's a bit weird. Do you, are, are you a jazz fan? <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, Mingus is my man. Yeah. Mm. Although when I'm here, I listen to Duke Ellington a lot. Yeah, big it really works. Got yeah. swing, man. Got swing. <laughs> uh, when I was listening to the music, you know, my first, some of my first impressions that, you know, even though it's electronic, that there was definitely 
something primitive about rhythms that like you know for some reason the first time i listened to it i kept thinking about senegalese music and and i kept thinking about like baba mal's early stuff or baba mal monster sec oh, i don't know it's a it's an album that i have and i don't know a lot about him because i think he be, he went got more pop oriented but then i started sort of tripping out on you know brian eno john hassel and guys who kind of used electronics early on but also there was a a primitive thread to there i think because we make the choice it's interesting, like when we're setting up, we're, we're we're working on shit at the moment, and we try a lot ele- mixing electronic sounds in with things, uh-huh. you know, within the percussion and the drums, just triggering stuff. And uh, it's more exciting when it when you're literally hitting shit, yeah, and you can hear it in the room, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really cool. And we're kind of staying with that because um, it fits together, you know, it has a and and. I, I listen to a lot of sort of, um, of I mean, I don't, I can't tell you the names of it yeah. and stuff. I randomly yeah. download this little thing. Um, but I am into that. I do. One of the things when I first started doing it with the, um, was I was fascinated by the idea that you write a rhythm on a machine, then someone can interpret that and make it um, in real space. You know, on uh, on a on a on a organic instrument. Yeah, and. And also fascinated by the sort of rhythms I was tending to program. Yeah. Once you did that, once we started doing it, once you did that, you realize these are kind of like quite like, you know, like African or like yeah. something or, you know, primitive. That primitive. It, it, well, yeah, primitive is a better word. Like that's mad, that sort of concept of, you know, just multiple rhythms and just... And they ebb and flow because they're made, being played by humans, you know, and la la la. Sure. It's a nice fit. It's a nice thing. I find it really fascinating. Um, well, that's sort of the whole, I guess, <clears throat> not to trivialize it in, in any way, but to, you know, to sort of like, if there is any power to a drum circle. <laughs> oh, no, I love all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, you know, it's very, you know, I don't want to be too punny or trite, but you know, it's very hands on, man. Yeah, it's the same. It's the, <laughs> you know? it's the same thing as um, it's the same thing as, you know, within dance music that the, like, getting people on alpha waves, you know, trance sure. and ha, you know, la la la. You like that stuff? I'm not, not really. It's a bit of shit, but you know, um, <laughs> but I do like electronic music and I do like electronic dance music and the good stuff to me is the stuff where, you know you get locked into a state of mind as you listen to it, you know, and I think that's kind of the point. Exactly the same to me as, like, listening to really good can, you know, lots of stuff on Tego Mego, for example. Sure, like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, it's nothing, there's nothing particular, but you can pin your hand, you pin, pin your finger on and say, yeah. like, okay, that's, that's what it is that I like. It's just, it's in a particular, it takes you into a headspace. And I think we started first, like the Radiohead first, because we listened to Can shitloads when we did Kid A. And it was that idea that there's nothing particular that you can put your finger on about this other than whatever it is, whatever that was, it just went past. Mm-hmm. That's it. And also you started to sing from that place. Oh, yeah, as well. Yeah, totally. So Kay. everything, it was like, you know, you, it's, a, it's whatever... You know, you get together and you play and something happens and you can't put your finger on it, but it's whatever it is, it happens between the musicians and you're lucky that the tape was going at the time. That's the point of making records now. You know, and it's, it's different when you're working on a laptop and, like, and it's a little bit less like that. 
but the same with this like you know we get we got together at the end and we were all buzzing on what was happening with within us in between us and the band so we thought fuck it we'll just go into the studio for three days and we'll just play just like a almost like a weird sort of celebration yeah and uh, Nigel's at the controls and you just get these waves yeah. Of shit, shit just kicks off. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Maybe it's only like eight bars or whatever, yeah, yeah. or maybe it's. But when it does, it's like. There's no rational explanation why that should be better than that bit. And I would always like go back and go, yeah, but what about that bit just before about? What that bit about afterwards? And I'd be like, okay, let's listen to them. Yeah. <laughs> and you listen and you go, yeah, he's right. <laughs> it was like, in theory, all the bits are there, but they don't. Whatever it is, the extra wave. Whatever that, happened. Whatever it is. That's it. That's you know, the magic. Mm. It's probably the same with a drum circle if you're stoned enough. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, uh, I think it's great, and, I, and, the, and the stuff's going well here, right? Yeah. And I appreciate you spending the time to talk to me. Oh, yeah, no, I enjoy it. Nice to meet you, mate. Nice to meet you. That's it. I, I had a lovely chat. I connected with the guy, and I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, please go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Get some merch. Check the episode guide. Leave a comment. Get the Lips and Deal. Start your own podcast. Get the first 100 WTFs on DVD. Uh, there's a number of things you can go there. Check my schedule. I'm going to be in Montreal this week. I'll be doing a live WTF there, a solo show there, and a bunch of little shows. Friday and Saturday, you can go to the Just for Laughs uh, uh, website and check out the, you know how to get tickets for that stuff. What else? Oh, between me and you, there's going to be big news tomorrow. If you're, you know, in the Marin world, there's big news tomorrow. I'll leave it at that. I'm, I'm right now, I'm, I'm that weird mixture of, you know, too much bad food, too little sleep, and a lot of coffee. So I have to go sit down in another room outside of the garage. Okay? Boomer lives! <laughs>